Hello, just a couple of quick episodes before we crack on with this month's episode of the Dead Darlings podcast. Uh, The first is that we had such a great discussion with our guest this month, PJ, or the Repeat Beat Poet, uh, that actually went on rather longer than planned. So what we've decided to do is release the book review as a separate episode later on in the month. Um, This month we looked at Caleb Femi's Poor, which was a fantastic book. We all loved it and PJ was kind enough to uh, stick around and join us for it. So look out for that in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, uh, I also just want to give a quick warning for anybody that um, we do get into a bit of a discussion about the death of Dean McKee and sort of dealing with our grief around that. Uh, Dean McKee was a poet um, who was much loved on the London scene and died just over a year ago of coronavirus at the age of 28. I appreciate this might be a little difficult for people to hear, um, or if you were close to Dean, or indeed if you're dealing with another loss of your own. Uh, So just as a heads up, that comes at around the 38 minutes 30 mark and goes on for about five minutes. Stay safe, darlings, take care of yourself, and hopefully we will start to see more of you again soon. Bye. Welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Laurie Eaves. And I'm Hannah Hutzbeck. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community in London and beyond. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration and above all awesome poetry from London's spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month we'll be interviewing the repeat beat poet. Uh, And we will be chatting about the book Poor by Caleb Femi and bringing you a poetry recording from one of our favourite poets. This month, it's from Chris Lanyon. But first, what have you guys been up to this month? So, firstly, it's been a kind of writey month, I think. Mm. Um, So me and Rebecca have both been um, involved in Apples and Snakes Red Sky sessions uh, Mm. as attendees with Bogdan Piaczewski um, uh, leading the workshops. Um, he's lovely a, isn't he sorry i'm just gonna guy. put it out there i haven't come across him before but he's lovely oh he's mm-hmm. awesome really lovely and like everybody i've ever known who's had a workshop with him has come away going he's he's great he's, he's the one <laughs> you want so when i saw about the um program i was like yeah i'm gonna sign up for that red sky sessions has been really good because like so it's kind of um aimed at because most of them and I think we probably lamented about this a fair amount on the podcast most of the kind of development opportunities for quote-unquote emerging artists are very much aimed at young artists mm-hmm. uh so 16 kind of, to 25 specifically yeah 26 and 25 which is a real fucker if you didn't discover poetry until you were 25 like mm-hmm. me yeah. um or like you discover performance poetry yeah. uh or give it a try um so yeah whereas this one had no upper age limit and was sort of very much a kind of its first sort of five years of your career wasn't it which um which I should have yeah. interpreted more loosely from the sounds of it. Yeah. I interpreted yeah, I mean, it I very loosely, Hannah. <laughs> they had wow. some fantastic guest speakers. Um, mm. Like Malika Booker in particular, was uh, mm. I thought was fantastic. And um, Rachel Long was really interesting yeah. as well. But yes, so we should mention, just as we finish up this discussion, that our poem of the month comes from uh, that. So basically the last session was people sharing work that they've written during the uh during the five weeks or for the four weeks up until that point and uh yeah chris lanyons was one that just uh, it really struck me i really enjoyed it uh so yeah so you guys 
get to share that too because I fucking loved it. So there we go. And also alongside that, it's been Napo Rimo mm-hmm. this month. It has. How yeah. have your Napo Rimos gone? I believe Laurie's done quite well. Yeah. Uh, I've done, I think, six poems, um, which, you know, out of 30 isn't that impressive. But I also did find myself kind of back in that process of, uh, they used to call it an observational journal at UEA, of just Mm. keeping notes of things or things that you kind of like if there's one memory that you sometimes retell people and you, you've come back to it on and off over the years, actually writing it down and going, there's something in that. Hmm. So while I haven't necessarily produced more than um, six pieces, I think I feel like I've more things have seeded for future use. Yeah. Um, and I also wrote one which like I stuck on my Facebook Facebook wall rather than Facebook page as a this is a draft. I thought it was fun. Boom. And I have one friend immediately being like, please put that somewhere public. I want to share it with five people. And I was like, okay, it's nice. I haven't had that kind of, yeah, yeah. feedback for a while. So, yeah. yeah. So, Laurie, I believe you did 30 out of 30. I, I did, did do 30 for 30. But, you know, about probably less than six are, are any good. Um, oh, for like, sake, as in, man. I'm going like, to return to You did to it. That's really so. impressive. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what helped. I'll tell you what helped. Um, I got a. Um, I ordered a zine, um, box sub zine, and in it, by chance, was a little cut-up poetry kit, um, like words and phrases. And Ah. I had one day where I was just really struggling, and then I just sat down and started playing with putting words in weird orders, and that kind of freed me up again. Okay, because there were a couple that I was like, this is very different to Laurie's usual stuff. And like, you know, when you know somebody quite well, you can sort of track the thought processes and you're like, and then there's some stuff I was like, "Mm." what the fuck is this? Yeah, (laughs) it's because I was just playing around. (laughs) That sounds like I was I was disturbed or horrified by it. It It's just more like, yeah, don't know where he's got that from, but cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This is this is new and different. Yeah, Uh, I was playing, (laughs) Um, but that really helped actually like unlock things. For me which is nice uh me and rebecca i can't don't know if hannah went did you go to zoomerang club at the beginning of the I month or not fucked i can't up remember on two <laughs> different things i really wanted to go to with like just writing down the wrong night or trying to get a ticket after a digital cutoff whereas if it was in person they'd be like you're late yeah, yeah. just stand quietly at the back <laughs> you literally couldn't get in um but that was great that was a really nice yeah. gig it was nice to be back in that space in a virtual Mm. way um it worked really well i thought yeah Um, it did and i similar to what you were saying hannah i tried out a new poem for the first time oh man in a year and how the hell did it go down rebecca it seemed to go down well people seemed to like it like it was like yeah um which was yeah i fucking love that feeling and i'd forgotten how much i like it Uh, i'm a poet i need external validation (laughs) thank you for that little hit guys hannah for context like everyone else was like here's my new poem that i've written during lockdown and and people going oh yeah cool that was all right and then rebecca here's my new poem i've written during lockdown everyone going holy shit that was great (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah yeah. you killed Ah, what was the piece? Much. Where can we where can we see it? I suggested uh, it for poem of the month, but Rebecca's overruled me. So I, it feels a bit wanky on your own <laughs> podcast. I don't know, um, but um, no. So it was basically it was a piece about the um, 
uh, Sarah Everhard and mm. uh, the blessing Ollie Sagan uh, disappearances. Um, basically, just this kind of conversation about women and safety and women's, you know, yeah. women in public spaces. And it was can, very powerful. Can we vote to have it as Cheers. poem of the month? Maybe next month. In that case, we're going to have our competition <laughs> winner, aren't we? Oh yeah, <laughs> we are going to have our competition win, which we should plug. Our competition is still open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is uh, everything you didn't do in lockdown. We want to hear your poems for everything we didn't do in lockdown. We've had some entries so far, uh, but yes, we would like to hear more. Please do send us your poems to speakpipe dot com forward slash dead darlings podcast or dead darlings podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah, we want to hear your poems about all the shit you didn't do in lockdown. If you did not learn a new language, did not develop a new hobby, no banana bread, no couch to five k. No. Yeah, didn't complete that thing you meant to do. Didn't revamp your flat. That's all of right. that shit. We want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Give us your failures because it will make us feel less alone. I think the deadline is fifteenth of May. Loosely. Yes. But, yes. Yeah, it's very flexible though. Whenever, guys, whenever you can get them in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This month, because we want to hear them and we want to have time to go through them all. Please do. Cool. So, yeah, what else have you guys been up to this month? Anything else people want to talk about? I think we need to talk about the Vogon Poetry Slam. I think we do. uh, Which, Hannah, do you want to introduce talking about the Vogon Poetry Slam? It's very much your slimy poetic. (laughs) My disgusting bureaucratic mess. So, um, the Vogons, uh, as. As you may know from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, either the radio show, the TV show, the movie, the book, um, the Vogons are a race of aliens who write the third worst poetry in the galaxy. And uh, the 25th of May is Tal Day, which is a Douglas Adams memorial, um, because every every good space traveller should know where their towel is. Um, because hitchhikers um so the vogon poetry slam is a strange mix of things it's been the first one happened 10 years ago um i think we've had like maybe three years off over the total for like last year didn't happen (laughs) um (laughs) but um it's it's a uh it's kind of an anti-slam but you can either write absolutely terrible poetry worst poet wins but also we want to hear your geeky stuff as well so um it's it's kind of a it's ideally we want a terrible star trek um poem that's what we want (laughs) i mean pick the geeks come in many forms pick pick whatever geekery you like but yeah um um it's it's kind of works as a kind of lancing of the boil you you get like we've had it's a purge isn't it yeah yeah um Oh god! So we've had people like uh, Antonio Jade King, who was we've had on the podcast, uh, have one about how much she hates Gemini's. They <laughs> lie. It's in their eyes. They lie. I, oh god! I'm forgetting. I mean, it, she is like, right to be fair. Lots of lots of terrible forced rhymes, but also she genuinely hates Gemini's with a passion. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a. She's a Leo, a, isn't she? Sorry. She's a Leo, isn't she? I, I think probably yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> that but yeah, makes it's sense. it's a it's a fun, goofy thing. We also always have a headline act who is really fucking good, and also um, uh, and also can do their geeky stuff. And this year, the headline mm. act Woo! is our reigning Vogon Slam champion, uh, Alexander Woody Woodward. Um, That's right. So, yeah. uh, if you would like to try to become, uh, if you if you reckon you could go for the third worst poetry in the galaxy, um, 
like deliberately write stuff or say read out your teenage diary i did that once and laurie's been reminding me about it ever since my what was it <laughs> shut up shut so up so she'll be my art shut up <laughs> um yeah um um oh fancy dress is encouraged uh fancy dress is encouraged when this is a live event but since you're in your own home and you won't have to like navigate public transport while dressed like a tit it's um, mandatory yeah please there's there's no excuses <laughs> or else um yeah um so this this has been run by uh so it, the first one happened 10 years ago and I didn't know you guys 10 years ago but the last two that we've run um, Laurie I think, Rebecca I think you weren't free <laughs> the night we were doing it the first time we but uh, I don't think I don't think we were really no I don't think we were really we friends, were friends then, then. Oh. Uh, yeah because <laughs> we did the one in, I've been involved in the one in the Miller yeah 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 um, that we did yeah, yeah the last one that we did so not last uh, year but the year before we were at the Miller pub which is where it all started as well uh, the year before that, uh, we had one at the Water Poet Pub. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, because we don't have to be limited to who can get to that pub in London that we could afford a room in. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, had we, wheelchair access and was uh, yeah. and met all the criteria yeah. that we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we can have people from all over the world and or galaxy. If your internet connection is stable, um, you can come in from anywhere. And it's going to be on the 25th of May. You can attend in two ways. You can attend as a slammer or attend as an audience member. For both, you need to get a ticket. Um, and the best the best way to find what you need is to search for Vogon Poetry Slam 2021 on Facebook. Um, on the Facebook event, if you would like to take part in the open mic, you should post a gif of a fish in the discussion. And I know people are probably th- listening and thinking, I'm never going to do that. People have been posting us some pretty terrifying gifts of fish. I'm looking at some <laughs> of them right now, and they are making my uh, insides jump. Um, and, and we love you for that. So uh, you post a gift of a fish. Uh, we have 12 slots available. At the moment, exactly 12 people have posted. So everybody who's posted so far would get in if nobody else um, wants to join us. Um, but if you do want to join us, uh, please post on the wall and we will add you into a draw, which is happening on the, uh, on the 16th of May. Um, and our friend, the ambassador from the Asgost of Korea will be drawing the names out of his sock drawer to select the 12 poets who'll take part in the slam. Um, and then we'll let you know. If you slam or if you want to be an audience member, you also need to get hold of a ticket on Eventbrite and the link is on that Facebook event. I'll also pop it in the show notes and on uh, Dead Darling social media as well. Yeah, it will be on all our social media. Um, And we're really looking forward to seeing people there, not just people who've been to the slam before, but some people have been in touch just excited about it because they've listened to the show so that's nice um we'll we'll see some of our listeners that's exciting isn't it (laughs) yeah yeah so should we do an interview let's do an interview this month's interview is with the repeat beat poet the repeat beat poet is a spoken word artist mc poet writer curator event producer and student of hip-hop 
The repeat beat poet, also known as PJ, has performed across the country and internationally with appearances at the Royal Albert Hall, the Edinburgh Fringe, Spoken Word Paris, and he is a multi-slam champion, including the Genesis Slam and Hammer and Tongue, and the reigning Slam champion. He also regularly produces and hosts the monthly Spoken Word Nights Boomerang and Penting, and his own hip-hop and spoken word radio show, Hashtag The Repeat Beat Broadcast. In 2019, he was nominated for a Jerwood Compton Poetry Fellowship and was selected for BBC One Extra Words First Poetry Programme. And in 2020, released his debut single, This That. He is also now the host of the long-running Lunar Poetry Podcast. PJ, welcome to the show. Uh, would you care to kick us off with a poem? Oh, yeah, I will. I have to take a breath because you should never listen back to your own bio in person. <laughs> it is a, it's just a frightening experience, to be honest. Um, well, that's what you get for being so yeah, fucking but... busy all the time. I just always think of you as being mm. an incredibly busy person. It's true, guilty as charged. But um, anyway, I'll read this poem. Um, I wrote this for Napo Rimo, um, and I've just been thinking about empty space and I've been thinking about Aretha Franklin Um, so this is what came out Aretha and Grace it was sound that saved a man like me words heard before the beginning a song between the felt and seen sinew within me evergreen a certain silence is unsettling an empty theatre's curtain swings Serene and still the dusty stalls seem surreal to all enthralled by the spirits starved of their revelry. It was sound that saved a man like me. Mm. Ooh. Ooh, that. Ooh. Boom, boom. That was nice, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's been through two edits. <laughs> <laughs> so Napa Rhyme has been going well for you then? I mean, I've written four poems and it's what, the 30th of April? Yeah. It is, it is. You've only got 26 to go tonight, and then you'll be there. Exactly. It's been good, though. It's been um, genuinely because I've had to do a lot of (laughs) reflecting on my previous work and doing Mm -hmm. re-edits. And so I've actually been doing a lot of editing, and doing Naparima has just been helpful because I'm thinking, oh, maybe I could stick it in this form or that form. In fact, the Loud Poets have been doing their Naparima weekly sort of roundups and then I've been going, oh, that form's interesting. Maybe try this poem in that form. So although I've only written a few poems, Naparimo has been a good year. Mm. Excellent. Um, so, yes, yeah, so uh, we like, always like to start off by asking our guests how they first got into spoken word. How did you find this weird little world? Whoa, so, um, I mean, I started as a uh, gap year student in Essex looking for a way to take my love of like being in indie bands and my love of like public speaking that I'd seen from everywhere from like, you know, the church to, uh, you know, comedians and commentators. I just loved like speech. And so combining speech then with the musicality of the bands, I thought, oh, I can do this poetry thing. Started reading a lot of beat writers. So, you know, Kerouac, Ginsberg um, and like wider writers in that movement. And then um, after writing, you know, a few small pieces for myself here and there, um, I decided that when I got to uni, I would give it a try seriously. And so first week of uni, I found myself a buddy who said he wanted to go to an open mic, went to Forget What You Heard was the first one that I went (laughs) to that I liked. And then, um, yeah, and so... 
like that was maybe oh I want to say late 2015 maybe early 2016 I've been going about five years now five six years so yeah around that time and I got into it just by yeah wanting to speak and be heard and forget what you heard just gives you the bug man it was that feverish properly exciting energy where people were writing new things every week and pushing each other creatively and like you know uh even even politically in, in like terms mm. of bringing ideas to the fore like the poetry community in london is 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 where i've met people in so many different walks of life to me and met them through the content of their character unquote aka the things they say in that three minutes you know mm. uh wheelchair users trans people uh intersex uh intersex people people from you know uh different language speakers people from different ages and so many different axes of um of of experience you know where people are on different spectrums of this to that or it was a great way to remove boundaries and that's the thing that forget what you heard man forget what you heard just it it, it lifted my heart so much as a as a budding writer Mm. um yeah so that's that's kind of where i started I think I'm really shaken up by that because I I think I got into spoken word poetry around the same time and I just assumed you had been doing it for years before me. Uh, like I'm kind yeah. of, I don't know if I'm horrified by that or delighted or what the sensation is. <laughs> I'm just, just really shaken if up If the by last it. year's taught us anything, Rebecca, it's that time is an illusion and it's elastic and doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> That's true. So, That's true. you know. Don't worry about it. My first ever gig was also Harry Baker's first ever gig. (laughs) (laughs) There's no point comparing. There's no point. Let's leave that. (laughs) I love it. That is brilliant. Um, So, yeah, so you sort of describe yourself very much as a student of hip hop. And I was really curious as as where you sort of see the intersections between poetry and hip hop, both as art forms generally and in your own work specifically. That's a good question, you know. Um, So I'd have to break it down into, like, you know, the different areas of my work sort Mm. of thing. So in terms of, um, like, as a... Weird enough, I'm going to start as a as a producer and, and as a host, uh, as as a booker as well. Mm. So talking mainly in the context of Penting, Penting is obviously a hip-hop and poetry open mic night. That was, like, how it was conceived, um, like, as an idea. And the hip-hop in that not only is, like, you know, what people are saying and how they're saying it in terms of, like, you know, it, it it's... No, rap music is the is the is the music of hip hop in the same way that graffiti writing is like the art of hip hop and you know break dancing is the dance of hip hop. There's a mode of speaking, um, so there's that. But as a host, the thing I like to do is take inspiration from like when Moz Def was hosting hosting Def Poetry Jam and like you know the sort of it was a very much East Coast American um 80s 90s mid 2000s style of hosting Hmm. and it's what i've seen great hosts do but (laughs) it's about who i'm choosing to platform with that time and who i'm choosing to gas up with that time who i'm choosing to like elevate with it because you can do you can you can be a wonderfully ebullient genial great host um you know and you can be that and there's a way to do that, basically. And that's, you know, like, you know, lots of people do that and that's fine. Um, but I'm a bit, like, truculent every now and then as a host, you know what I mean? I'm a bit, like, I might, I might, I might cut a few people down, like, you know, playfully. Um, Don Cornelius on Soul Train and stuff. He was never mean, but he always knew how to make light of, of a situation. And so when I'm doing Penting, 
and I'm bringing a predominantly uh, black audience and not just people of colour, like, like a predominantly black audience, when I'm bringing them the best of the black poets that I want to book, I'll make sure that everyone's on the same level. I don't go, this poet is loftier than 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 this next poet or the person in the room or the person on the open mic who just got up and read one piece and it's their first time, you know. I level that playing field out, which sometimes might be a bit of playing the dozens. It might be like, you know, it might be getting into like, you know, a little tete-a-tete with Amari, Sky God, um, and just like, you know, taking the piss out of each other a bit and then getting back to like, you know, the purpose of the show. And it's a weirdly British thing and it's also very much a hip-hop thing, which is a, a strange thing. So I, that's an interesting thing that I've not really thought about a lot, um, where the hip-hop is in my hosting and in my booking. Um, but apart from that, hip-hop in, in, the, in my poetry and in my, and in my lyrical content is just the soup that I swam in as I was growing up, you know what I mean? Like, um, I've said this on podcasts before, but the first uh, iTunes playlist that I ever... Sorry, the, the first iTunes library that I ever, like, built was effectively Frankenstein out of the iTunes library I stole from my brother, who was five years older than me and had a really good taste in hip-hop and really loved the lyrics as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's in... The, the hip-hop in me is in my rhythm of speech. It's in the way in which I carry myself, like, on the page or on the stage, you know. I spent a lot of time crafting live performance and it, it would always be a pride... I would always take pride in my ability to... Um, improvise a set list you know based on who's in front of me and how they're reacting um, and then I would also take great pride in being able to as I'm rhyming or reading a piece to be looking at the crowd and seeing who is reacting to what and where like very specifically if I say Dragon Ball Z reference in a it's me bar, and Jake. who laughs at that <laughs> yeah, me and Jake, fine. um if, if I if I drop like you know some some super obscure Heidegger reference, who's getting that you know, or maybe I'm just gonna talk about like fufu or like um different uh, like West African foods, or and I'll see who gets that. And that's the thing that I've seen great hip hop artists do live. And there's few great live hip hop acts. It's always been a bit of like you know, there's a lot of hip hop acts that aren't that great live. But when you have a hip hop act who has a great live show, it's a thing that they do. They can literally pinpoint audiences across the world who react in different ways to different things. Certain beats go down well in certain areas because of cultural heritage, things like that. That's kind of where I aim to be in my live performance. That that sort of level, and that's a super hip hop thing to me. That's like that's being able to rhyme so fluently and so. Uh, it's so intertwined with you that you can be outside of it as it's happening, you know? That's that's some nuts shit, but it's <laughs> like it it is how it is how it's worked for me and is how I've seen hip hop influence me um as a writer. Because I always reflect on this. So thanks for the good question as well. <laughs> I wanna ask you PJ mm. about um when I used to do poetry on in London when you would Start, when you were talking about those days back and forget what you heard I was doing a lot of, of rhythmic stuff not the same as you but we were both doing rhythmic stuff then I've kind of moved more away from it and I wanted to ask you about when you when you were writing poems do you how do you go about doing that do you find like the rhythms come first the subject they come together how, what's your kind of how does it work with you when you're writing 
So it's changed a lot over the mm. years. And initially it would be, I would either find like a rhyme pocket. So like a set of rhymes or I'd find, um, I'd find something that just sat well on the ear. Like for sometimes for me, if I hear a, if I hear a good rhyme, I will just laugh and I'll just burst out laughing. Like I find rhyme so joyous and so funny that like, I think, how can I sneak this into something? And then everybody will, it's going to like, how can you sneak it into a piece and have it not be like, you know, crowbarred in, but have it flow to the next line. And so I started writing very much for rhyme and for sonority, how a set of, how a set of lines landed on the ear. Because yeah. it was all very much live. And I was only ever thinking that it would be heard in my voice, me literally speaking the poem. I didn't think these poems could exist outside of me being in a physical mm. place. Embodying. Performing them. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where a lot of people start. Um, and then as I, uh, as I started to, to, to apply myself to different aspects of writing that I enjoyed, not just rhyme, when I started to think about, oh, I really love how this person has told a story in their work, or, oh, I really love how this person has, um, uh, like, a thing that I really love is when someone has two or three narratives happening at the same time. And that was like, when I saw somebody do, um, like, I call them like three-pronged poems, where there's multiple things happening, I'm like, damn, I'll be, I, I would love to do that. Um, and so I started experimenting more. And as I started experimenting more, that's when I moved away from rhyme as a crutch to more rhyme as a tool. And then I expanded my toolkit. Um, you know, there's different ways in which to make an effective point. Um, and so that's kind of the question that I ask myself when I'm writing poetry a lot now is, what's the best way to make this point? And the the, the point could be, a question it could be a thought it could be a um an observation it could be a realization um but that's kind of where it starts it starts with how can i best communicate this idea because that's what i want to be able to do with my poetry i want to be able to communicate ideas um and 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 build like build ideas that can stand on their own poems that can exist outside of me physically performing them um yeah it's interesting like it's it's interesting because i i was also thinking about how following on from that point i have seen some of your work written down um i think you you got a piece in the bad betty is it bad betty outrigo's anthology yep i have a piece in the alter egos anthology called seeping yeah that's the one i was thinking of and i was thinking actually i've not seen that much of your work sort of written down but it's interesting you're kind of you're you're obviously thinking about that, even if I'm still seeing yeah. it mostly spoken. You know, well, I've got a book coming out next year, so I mean, tell I us fucking about, about that. How they're on there? I, I was gonna say, like, when you were saying I've been editing a lot, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, mm. oh yeah. What's what going down? Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, the ink's not dry on all the deals yet, but it is happening. Um, it, I won't say much about it because it could all so much about it could change because i'm still editing it as you know um but what we'll say is that it's um it is a combination of what i'm trying to do is bridge this kind of gap between what i created as a persona in the repeat beat poet which was an avenue i could get out a certain set of points in a certain way in which i am not the fullness of who i am but definitely a massive part of who i am 
but with a book you have to like you know you have to you have to communicate differently you, you just have to communicate differently um and so that's and that's been a thing that I've been trying to do honestly and that's a lot closer to me like you know like to PJ who I am when I'm not public facing for one of a better phrase you know and so the past few years and especially this this book that's kind of uh, coming out with with Verve Poetry Press February 2022 I'm just trying to bridge that gap between like yeah between the bombastic expansive outwardly looking me the live me and then the me that is internal quiet reflective and a bit more <laughs> i i just guess a bit more withdrawn you know and that's that always kind of interests me um at what point did you decide yeah i'm going to come up with an alter ego for myself or a stage name like wh- when did that happen and and why did you settle on the repeat beat poet really early on um because i just couldn't <laughs> I couldn't face my I couldn't face the way in which I thought my name would be butchered consistently like my government name and then all of the all of the comments that you get about like so at this point when I was uh on my gap year working at a co-op in Chelmsford um I would get racist people making weird comments a lot of the time and I mean, a lot of the time, I'd be reading the Times in the morning, and I'd be like, uh, someone m- might say, "Oh, didn't didn't think you'd be reading that," or some such gubbins. You know, they just like drop out comments, yeah. and, and and this happened like a few times, <laughs> and so, and I've always had a thing about my name, like my my full long name, which is equal parts English, Dutch, biblical, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, two middle names. Uh, Ghanaian name you know like my name seemed like such a huge thing so I was like okay I'm gonna pick my own name I'm gonna create this thing for myself and also I was like oh well if I want to be a rapping poet if I want to be a poet like within the rap tradition Mm -hmm. I'm like everyone has a whole bunch of monikers let me make myself a cool name Mm -hmm. and then reading the beat poets I was like okay I like hip-hop a break beat is extended Mm -hmm. by a DJ to create a breakdown so I was like break beat you're repeating the beat, you could repeat, beat, repeat, beat, poet. And then it had a nice uh, trilogy run, to, uh, not mm. trilogy, triplet, repeat, beat, poet. And it just stuck in my ear. So that's how I came up with the name. It's always sounded dope. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> is it coming out as the repeat, beat, poet or is it coming out as PJ? Uh, that's a good the, point. The book. Do you know? So I'm mm. going to be... You know what? I haven't. I'm going to be fully honest. I haven't made that decision yet. But mm. what I can say is that this year was the first time I published a book. Sorry, I published a poem with both of my names. The name that I chose for myself, Repeat Beat Poet, and my full like government name. And I published that in a book called The Black Anthology Language, uh, which is put out by uh, Sophia um, Amina, um, who's on Ten Ten Press. She runs Ten Ten Press. And because it felt right to do at that moment, um, I was publishing the poem, uh, uh, What Does Black Power Mean? Where I speak about names a lot and I speak about like heritage a lot. And so I was like, boom, makes sense to publish my full name and the repeat beat poet here. I haven't always chosen that. Sometimes I've been 
uh, mm. publishers repeat beat sometimes my, my own name but the book not gonna lie it'll probably be both probably be peter graf johnson the repeat beat poet um but yeah jumping off from that i mean a lot of your work and i'm thinking kind of like beware the vicar's daughter which is about theresa may is is very explicitly political and topical um and i always think that there's a balance in political poetry between capturing the moment versus keeping it current and yet how yeah. do you manage that when you're writing and how conscious of that are you i wasn't conscious of like it as a wider thing that was happening in my poems regularly until maybe 2017 2018 when I was doing a lot of regular sets um you know and that's because I I write a lot of my a lot of those political poems um anger is the immediate sort of fuel for it but anger's not sustainable and so I put that anger somewhere I put it into some kind of container Beware the Vicar's Daughter, that's a very rhythmical poem as well as political. Beware the Vicar's Daughter, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
What? PJ, man? But yeah. Did you introduce yeah. Jake to you it? You must have introduced him. What's mate? Yeah. Uh, no, Iris actually introduced the poem uh, to me and Jake. I, I think I've heard ah. it once, but Iris read it physically in, in, in person, socially distanced, uh, very recently, actually. So, I mean, I was speaking about how I got into poetry and one name came into my mind, which is Dean McKee. Mm. Mm. Dean McKee mm. passed away on the, uh, I think, the 7th of April um, last year. Yeah. And he was a care worker. Mm. He was working in a care home about a couple of weeks after our government decided to send untested elderly inpatients from hospitals back into their care homes. Yeah. And he died, right? Mm. This was a pandemic. Mm. And this is at a time where we could not socially come together and grieve and mourn. And mm. Dean McKee was such a fulcrum in my yeah. beginning sorry in the beginnings of my poetry career he really was like he was there both my first features mm -hmm. my first ever feature with typeface collective at a pub in bournemouth with was with dean and jake for, for that matter obviously you know uh, caroline teague daisy thurston gent becky moses as well mm. and then my first ever solo feature spray paint poetry oh, waterloo tunnels was, right man. Mm -hmm. yeah. phenomenal gig once again caroline teague was there jake wild hall was there and dean mckee was there and like, I just thought I'd take a moment because a lot of people who listen to this podcast will have known Dean mm -hmm. and still know Dean because every time I touch a mic or put my pen to a page, he's there in the back of my mind somewhere. And you want to talk about rage? Mm -hmm. That's why I'm angry. I'm mm -hmm. angry because there's been so many needless deaths like my friend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, man. Rest in peace, Dean McKee, and to the other poets and uh, as part of poetry communities who we've lost during during the coronavirus pandemic, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think, like, Dean would have had some excoriating things to say about this government oh, and how they've handled shit. Do you know what I mean? I, I, mm. It would have been, yeah. He yeah. knew how to harness rage as well as anybody. Yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say that, like, when when Dean was when Dean would speak on a piece, you'd believe what he said and you'd feel how emotive he was. You would feel the emotion he was espousing. If it was rage, if it was anger, if it was longing or love, Dean could really communicate that feeling in his performance. And it's why he was a great battle rapper as well for a couple of battles before he passed away, you know, that performance skill. Um, and the reason why I mentioned um, uh, Iris and Jake and the reason why we got into this, that poem, Fuck the Police, I thought about Dean when Iris read that poem on, I think, the 7th of April 2021 when we went to Tower Hamlet Cemetery Park, me, Jake and Iris, oh, to pay gosh. respects to Dean. Mm because we yeah. didn't have the chance to last year. Mm, and I'm yeah. sure they won't mind me saying that, but it was, you know, you, Laurie, Hannah, Rebecca, so many of the other poets who are regularly around the London poetry scene who knew Dean, we were thinking about you as we did it. You know, we were thinking about the community because Dean was a part of our community. Um, and yeah, and then Iris read that poem, Fuck the Police, like, I think it was afterwards, um, It's real, yo. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really eating me up that mm. we, that not being able still, and th this isn't mm. just because you brought it up, PJ. It's been on my mind for ages how much I miss Dean and how much I want to go 
and be there and pay respects to him. And I really appreciate what you just said um, Mm. because it means a lot. And like, I know Hannah Gordon managed to go to see um, the, the, um, what you call it, him being driven um, at the time past QPR. The funeral, the way. Yeah. 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 And that I, uh, it made me happy to know that someone in our community was there then um, I'm sure other people might have been as well, but that meant a lot and it means a lot when to know that someone is representing and someone's being there physically yeah. to do it when we can't all do it because it's it's driving me driving me nuts. I've I've missed yeah. more than one funeral over the last year that I w- wish I could have been at. And so it's nice to know that you and Iris yeah. and Jake did that. So thank you. Yeah. 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 And I like when when we got the news this time last year like i mean fuck me like he was what 28 28 like and also like obviously he's in a poetry community it i think it was napa rimo as well like mm-hmm. i think quite a few people like wrote some kind of tribute i did too um but it felt on the one hand it felt like you know people processing their feelings and people paying tribute but on the other hand there was it's absolutely fucked up to be writing tributes for a writer who should not be gone yeah. <laughs> yeah. like like he should still be here we shouldn't be filling in the gaps yeah yeah anyway yeah and to be unable to share them, you know, that our relationship mm. with Dean, our relationship with poetry, our relationship with each other is all built around being in the same room and yeah. sharing something, yeah. you know, that you can't recreate and that you can't really explain and that we haven't been able to do that has been has been difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Right, tell us about Luna Poetry Podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course. So the Luna Poetry Podcast is a, oh, I do believe, seven-year-long running interview show where, uh, where formerly the legend that is David Turner would interview poets and he would do it unfiltered, he would do it unedited, and it would just be about their creativity and about how the poet goes about creating their work. Um, after many years, David was like, you know what? I could step out the way and give this wonderful gift and I do see it as a gift that I'm able to host this he was like, I was like, I, he was like I'll be able to give this as a gift to somebody I mean I'd actually guested on the podcast before and then I'd co-hosted a few episodes and then David um, let me know he would like to leave the podcast and he wanted me to take it over um I started off with four episodes um just just to sort of set the tone for the types of poets and the types of poetry and the types of creativity that I was interested in and wanted to see um, and my first four episodes have been really well received they were really fun to record um, and the thing about Luna that I love is that it's an act of archiving all mm. of the episodes mm. are archived in the British Library yes. which I mean is no small feat like the sounds department of the British Library is the thing that you know like it's a corpus you know like it's a part of 
quite literally the canon. What we, what we say when we say the canon, half of it physically is in the British Library, right next to me chatting to Bridget Hart about how punk like scenes are actually filled with people who love Cully Ray Jepsen, yeah. as well as, you know, like Megadeth, or they're not even a punk band. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I enjoy being somewhat of a interloper, knowing that the things that I'm saying are going out not only to wonderful listeners and supporters across the world, and I do mean across the world because I've seen the listening figures and I know how many people listen to Luna and I know where and when they listen, and it is a truly international thing. People listen for all different types of reasons and and just to be able to ha- like to be able to give out these conversations and to let people into these conversations, not only in the present moment but also you know in perpetuity because they're archived. It's a pleasure, it's a privilege, it's a gift, and it's also, you know, um, an important position to be in. There's a reason why I've spoken so openly about how transphobic this country is on the Lunar Poetry podcast, you know, mm-hmm. because it's part of Britain, <laughs> and it's also part of, like, you know... Uh, sorry, yeah. and then fighting transphobia, fighting oppression, is something that's always been done using poetry in many ways or at least poetry is a way to do that um, and I want the Lunar Poetry Podcast not only to be all the things I mentioned before this fantastic um, you know repository of interviews and creative knowledge and, and poet- poetic conversations mm. I also want it to be an act of resistance an act of dissent yeah. an act of saying not in my name in many ways mm-hmm. um, t- to so much of what happens around and like Hannah I know you do so much like anti-arms fair campaigning um, and like I want you know I, I want to be able to, yeah <laughs> I <dabble>. like I want <laughs> I dabble <laughs> do you know what I mean like I want I want you know I want to be able to have a bit of the Lunar podcast where you know um, somebody from the campaign against the arms trade would be like oh yeah we can cite XYZ poet who spoke about this and it's archived here you know mm-hmm. imagine imagine if it was ever you know like used as a reference in court and things like this there's so much potential <laughs> for like yeah. actual power in what Being we recorded. do hmm. yeah because what so much stuff added... has been recorded oh sorry no that's it <laughs> Like what gets added to the dictionary is often based on proof that it's been used at this. So like the word flip flop wasn't in the English dictionary until like maybe 10 years ago. And what they had to do was go cite examples of people (laughs) using the word over a period of time. And like, so when you get people doing the like, oh, that's not a proper word, that's not real, that's not whatever. Like, I've been at events where someone from the Oxford English Dictionary is there going, give me your slang (laughs) we're Mm. looking for. But like, yeah, there's something really important about just, yeah, the archive existing for for all kinds, like that feeds into so many different interesting angles yeah exactly um, and it is in so many ways like the og poetry podcast right like and i, I think i yeah. kind of listened to it and was like i would like to do that and sort of you know setting up dead darlings i was very conscious of like not not imitating it but also like there is an homage there as well there's like this is such a mm. good medium for discussing what we do we have I to have would, a talk yeah. about what would we how are we not going to be lunar poetry podcast <laughs> if we do yeah. a podcast yeah Look, I had to have that conversation with myself as well, being like, how can you not be David Turner? Because you're not. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm bringing a different thing to the podcast. But, like, obviously, not only all credit to David, but, like, if you just look at the poets who have been on the Lunar Poetry podcast, and if you look at when they were on and what they've gone on to do after that, 
it's not that the Lunar Poetry Podcast is the thing that has made all these poets great. It's not that. But what it is is that the Lunar Poetry Podcast has always been there. So there's episodes mm. with, uh, you know, Kaio Chingonyi, who's now just releasing great books. There's episodes with Caroline yeah, Bird, obviously, who's winning all the prizes. Mm. There's, but if you go all the way back, there's episodes with Pat Cash. Yeah. And Pat Cash is a fantastic poet. Mm. Sean Wai Kyung's still doing stuff. There's episodes with... I mean, and now I can just pick up the people who I really, really love. And... <laughs> Do it. That's what this show is for. <laughs> All the episodes are great. But some of my favourite Lunar Poetry podcast episodes are with Rachel Long and Raymond Antrobus, episode 97. That's a fantastic one. Episode 95, Kairani uh, Ka- Barocca and Wayne Holloway-Smith. That's another banging episode. There's an episode with, um, with uh, Hannah Silver, Nick McCoa and John Hegley. That's a fantastic Ooh, episode, 88. Great line. And then some of my favourite episodes, the ones that haven't even come out yet, but I know they're recorded because I've recorded <laughs> them. I interviewed Zena Edwards. I interviewed Selena oh, Godden. Oh, um, and, like, to put all these names in the same place is mm. my attempt at sort of creating, like, a like a school of rock, map of rock, where he's got it on the <laughs> dashboard, <laughs> sorry, on the, on the blackboard, and he's like, this person links to this mm-hmm. person in this way through this thing and this time. You know, that's so cool. It is cool. <laughs> like, and that's what I want Luna to be. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. And kind of on that note, like, one thing I've, like, always been very aware with you is, like, the sheer amount of work and hustle and networking and, like, at one point you ran a venue, you're running Luna, you put on events. Um I've started to spot almost almost a generational divide that, like, how old are you? <laughs> I am 26 going on 27. Yeah. At time of recording. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I've got, like, nearly nearly a decade on you, but there's, like, people ar- around your age, there is a kind of groundswell of, like, more bigger... I don't know. Um, like, doing doing a lot more new things i feel like there's just more like petrol (laughs) in the scene and like more more urge to build bigger (laughs) um Mm -hmm. i agree can you yeah can you speak to that at all have you noticed it do you could you say what's driving like yeah uh, look money (laughs) like (laughs) all of a sudden poetry became not only cool but like we stand on the, like, we we are riding the crest of the wave that was initially, like, built up and, like, spurred the careers of people like, well, really, it's Kate Tempest, now Kate Tempest, mm-hmm. uh, Polar Bear, Scroobius mm-hmm. Pip, yeah. um, uh, uh, Holly McNish. Like, they were coming to prominence... Um, and coming to public prominence, and I mean like mainstream yeah. public prominence, mm. like 2004, 2005, 2006, that was about 10 years before the time that me in 2017 started to see, for want of a better phrase, you know, corporate interests yeah. started to look around poetry. Mm. We don't have to talk about George the Poet and the adverts. We don't even have to talk about nationwide, the nationwide yeah. poetry adverts. But we have to talk about, for want of a better phrase like the yeah the increasing effect and power of 
corporate interest within an mm. incredibly grassroots level of the poetry scene because it, it you know the poetry scene's not massively big in numbers across the mm. country mm. but what it is really good at doing sorry well, yeah what it is fantastic at doing is is authenticity right do you know what i mean mm. that's what and if you can sell you know, authenticity then you'll be fine. (laughs) They want some of that. (laughs) And that's the rub, literally Uh, right there. I had an entire episode of the Lunar Poetry Podcast with the fantastic Dr. Katie Ailes from the Loud Poetry Crew talking Mm. about her PhD, which was on, like, spoken word and the performance of authenticity in it. And I didn't realise that was the angle. (laughs) Shit. It's a fantastic listen because Mm. we, 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 we kind of get into these... We kind of get into these weeds about how like easily packaged and sold like the, the the core aspects of our community and our like creative product is it's so easy to like package it and sell it and package it and sell it and that's not like that's happening but it's happening at a time where hustle culture grind culture young mm-hmm. people getting into poetry for the first time and inexperienced people getting in getting into poetry for the first time not just the young yeah is a time where you don't just make a YouTube video because, oh, it's fun. You make a YouTube video because, oh, I might, I, I might make a career from YouTube. I could be a YouTuber. And all of a sudden, everything, or not everything, I'm speaking in absolutes and hyperbole, but, I mean, why not? <laughs> like, it's almost like, oh, if I do this thing, maybe I could become, like, you know, like, like a star and, and, and get, like, famous or get, like, recognised for it or, you know, like, you know have some big big success story because i'm a poet and people liked my poem about xyz mm. and that type of success is fleeting it is the one and done it's not the lasting success yeah. it's mm. not the one that takes you to what i would call artistic like greatness mm. if i'm not going to use too highfalutin a phrase like mm. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people have written great one-off poems yeah. and they're also fantastic pieces. I don't begrudge them that. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily call all those people consistent, great, mm. sorry, consistently great poets. Meanwhile, yeah. there's people like Selena Godden yeah. oh, who started man. reading poetry in like the late 90s, the, the late 80s, early 90s, mm. who's been only getting better with time, mm. who now has got a book called Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death that has just been mm. optioned for Which a film cool. by Idris Elba's production company. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I didn't know that. was fucking like, true. I knew it was all over the media, but I didn't know. Oh, shit. Excellent. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and that's a 40-year yeah. win in the making, or a 30-year mm. win in the making. And as well, mm. you, know? you know, it's not like throughout that time she hasn't been putting out great... She's consistently put yeah, out yeah. great stuff. Mm. It's just that people my have started to listen. Your yeah. and that's wonderful. <laughs> that's one of my favourites. Anyway. Yeah, her record, Livewire, is great. Like, her books have oh, been great, yeah. you know? She's consistently been great. Yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, we have to also remember just how little money mm. there has been consistently in spoken word there's been booms yeah. there's been individual like spikes murray lachlan yeah. young managed to get a you know freaking tv, TV show, yeah. uh tv show yeah that that i think actually gutted yep. poetry yeah. for a while in media as i understand it yeah because i mean it lost a lot of money and wasn't seen to be a success mm. but yeah. then similarly you have you know there's always individual peaks yeah. but you know it's all about it's all about about the long tail money comes and goes there's poems that have been written quite literally multiple thousands of years ago that we still use i yeah Um, i also wanted to just add into the conversation um a couple of organizations 
and it's sort of a, a good way to to unblur the timelines i find um is to look at the poetry nights that have been running for a certain amount of times so boxed in in london's been running for like you know uh seven eight years odd uh there's anyway i'm not going to run through examples of nights but i would say if you're looking to discover the history of the poets who are now what we would call successful be that commercially in a mainstream sense or in an artistic sense and that their work is resonating with people um, and all the other ways in which these poets themselves define their success then look back at when and where they were gigging who they were gigging alongside Musa Okwonga another fantastic writer who was at Bang Said the Gun a lot around the same time as Kay Tempest and Polar Bear and Co he was trying to get a novel published for like you know maybe like 10 years nothing doing right this year after many many years of what he calls seeing the other people around him ascend this year he got three public he's got three books coming out in the same year a mem a memoir a uh, a fictionalized biography of ian wright and um and uh, and another book that's also fantastic oh yeah eaton uh, like a memoir about um his time at eaton because he went to eaton right it's all about the long tail. Like, Muzo Okwonga is a fantastic poet, and he always was a fantastic poet. His poem, Passport, was performed, like I say, back in 2006. And there's poets today who are still re reciting it and remembering it. Um, just a shout out to a couple of the poetic organisations who are, like, you know, uh, doing the... They're, they're interacting with, with corporations and big money in ways that are legitimate and like, are working for them. Apples and snakes always have been you know, champions of poetry from the very grassroots to, you know, now having co-produced Life and Rhymes, which is nominated for a freaking BAFTA. Um, uh, you've got uh, Poetic Unity um, based in uh, Brixton, who have, that they did a set of poems in response to Judas and the Black Messiah that was seen, you know, literally by probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, because it was, a you know, a co-sponsored event. They're just two examples. Young Identity in Manchester, similarly, like, there's so many ways in which we have to be able to look at the corporate interests because they're here. There's no point pretending that they're not. And we have to interact with them on our terms, you know? And that's something that I always look for when looking at who's getting the big commissions and deals, how are they levering, leveraging it for themselves, their community, the people who they purport to be representing or to care about, especially if it's like a huge commission, you know? Anyway, rant over, but also definitely not over because it's our industry, isn't <laughs> it? it? Is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And on that note, if Casper Mattresses or HelloFresh would like to come knocking, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rebecca does, is Rebecca right, does yeah. not represent all of us. <laughs> No, I, I, I'll figure out what my what my chosen what I'd sell out for is. <laughs> hey, look, John Cooper Clark. John Cooper Clark went for McCain oven chips and sugar puffs. So you know, choose like what, choose whatever you want. Yeah, choose like what you want. Somebody told me, like, like, like I said, I heard this so many years ago now. Like I was a teenager, so it probably isn't true. But someone told me that Salman Rushdie wrote the Mr. Kipling naughty but nice line. I have no idea. Maybe. I be. don't I mean, know. Salvador Dali designed the Chupa Chups logo. Like, Look, artists, no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have to choose our poisons, choose what I mean, we're willing to do it for. The great poet Hannah Hutzpah, once upon a time, was writing copy for pube shavers on Amazon. Like, <laughs> shit happens. Sorry, we had you as a guest last month and you didn't fucking bring that shit up. 
sorry. We're going to have to edit and re-upload that episode. <laughs> Redo the bio, uh, Rebecca. <laughs> Anyway, anyway. So, I mean, on that note, <laughs> what do you see the the poetry scene looking like in the future? Or That's what do you want to see question. it looking like? That's yeah. a better question. <laughs> um, what, what do I want to see it looking like? Okay, so um, a big thing I've been pushing for the past maybe three years, um, and a conversation that is you know decades older than me, is the space for a. Well, or sorry, the need for a some kind of critical framework for spoken word and for spoken word poetry. And, you know, this is a conversation that's been spearheaded by a lot of people, but the need for it is insurmountable. Like, we need it so bad because it stops other people from defining us for us. Like, I think that that's what I want the spoken... That, that's, that's what I want spoken word in the UK to be as it continues to grow and it goes through peaks and troughs and poetry is older than the sun etc but our current moment post mid 90s sort of you know louder than the bomb east coast chicago new york slam style um our moment especially in the uk is 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 specific like it has its own identity the things we speak about the people how we speak how we have to operate in terms of you know just with the governments that we have in terms of sorry the government and the system that we're in so you know how many poetry nights die because they can't hold down a venue and a venue doesn't want to lose money on them similarly how many poets stop reading and writing poetry regularly because they leave you that they leave uni get a nine to five but haven't got the energy for it anymore etc etc these sorts of phenomenons that are happening in us and around us and to us I want the spoken word community to be able to have a framework by which we can not only evaluate like our work, the actual poetry and the and the cultural things around that, but we can evaluate then through that, through looking at poetry as the prism of, you know, what is happening in our in our country at the time, it means we can it can be a basis of research and study. Like people can look back at this time and be like, these books were saying this about these people who were living in this time. And people will research this time because it's interesting. And I want people to be able to look at the spoken word communities and spoken word poetry as a prism through which they can understand our lives as they are now. Because that's so much of what we write about. We write about our lives as they are now. And that really is at the root. And that will continue to be at the root. But I want it to be a conscious thing that we're in control of so that we can define it instead of, I mean all of the other I would argue bad faith actors that either purposely misunderstand or frequently can't be bothered to understand what spoken word is and how it affects like yeah how it affects not only us the people who are involved like you know from the grassroots to the very very famous and big but the people who listen and interact and hear our poetry because it affects all of us mm. Yeah, and just materially, what would that framework look like then? What needs to happen? Um, so I would shout out the spoken word uh, education awareness, the the Facebook group that Pete Bearder set up called Swear, which is the spoken word educators activist research. That's completely a lie, but basically, it's a network of academics and poets 
who are basically building up um building up uh knowledge and sharing knowledge around like the around what we do so i i suppose actually scrap all that what i'd say is get involved in writing about spoken word get involved in reading about spoken word and poetry mm-hmm. i would say that it looks like a more informed yeah like a wider and a wider and more informed set of poetry practitioners and that's not to say that everyone has to now be a poetry scholar right but i think about things like the spoken word education program that was running out of goldsmiths and what mm-hmm. that did for putting mm-hmm. poets in schools like now there's a whole set of poets in schools who are teaching kids that you can be a poet and that's a thing Mm -hmm. Mm. i think that like poetry i think that the thing that can make the thing that should happen in the poetry community and by that i mean people who define themselves as writers and then are parts of their own communities it's a it's an awful shorthand but you know everyone's part of a community and if you're writing poetry you're a poet in a community (laughs) i think that we should look at the scholars and writers who are writing about spoken word and just share their work they're doing the research for us they're doing the work Mm. but not everyone's going to interact with it not everyone's going to read it not everyone's going to understand why it's relevant to them or important like but kids are learning it because kids know that poetry is an effective way of communication kids are learning it in school imagine if big businesses all had a poet implanted within their decision making structure on the board Mm you know some person who was who was trying to i don't know i i'm not the authority on it but i definitely know that there's organizations and communities who are doing the work of of informing people about the intricacies of poetry and we should support them <laughs> so yeah i'd like to shout out them and i'll send you links of the of the places that i'd forgotten the names of so that you can put them in the description we'll thank the you well do absolutely <laughs> nice one. Um... P, pj is there anything you want to plug um, yep, so you can plug, uh, I'm going to plug one thing because everything is on there, which is my link tree. Uh, that's just linktree.com forward slash repeat beat poet. And that has, and here's the list, uh, the radio show, the repeat beat broadcast. That is a hip hop and poetry radio show that goes out 12 to 2 on Threads Radio every fourth Wednesday. All the episodes are archived on Mixcloud and there is a Spotify playlist to accompany it. There is also the Lunar Poetry Podcast. Go to www.lunarpoetrypodcast.com to be updated with new episodes. They're coming out very infrequently because it's kind of like a one-man project, but also I want to make sure they're all really good. But new episodes are coming soon. Um, There is also poetry videos. Uh, I put out a lot of poetry videos um, and so they will be linked on the link tree. What else is on the link tree? That's right, links to my upcoming shows, whenever they will be. <laughs> um, what else is on the link tree? My music. So I've put out um, uh, a, a single under my own name called This That. And then I also have featured on loads of people. Well, I say loads of people. I've featured on tracks. Um, and they're also linked in the link tree. And what else is there? Oh, yeah, uh, the Penting Poetry. Penting will be returning incredibly soon. We're actually in talks to sort that out now, so that's exclusive for Dead Darlings. Um, and yeah, you can find links to Penting Poetry through my link tree as well, or just by going to you know Instagram uh, and searching Penting Poetry. That is ever a thing, I do believe. And if not, well, I mean, just Google Repeat Beat Poet. Dead Darlings exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, PJ. 
Now I want to say this has been a pleasure and I enjoy Dead Darlings. It's one of the poetry podcasts I listen to regularly and uh, to be able to chat to you three wonderful people is, you know, like, it's it's really cool and I miss being... I miss having these conversations mm. after poetry nights mm. over drinks. That's what I miss yeah. and that's what it's felt like. So, um, yeah, and uh, rest in peace, Dean, you know, in memory of him. Absolutely. Everything I do is... Absolutely. Now it's time for the notice board where we spotlight 10 or so opportunities to look out for where you can perform your work or submit it for publication. And also, just stuff we think is cool. Rebecca, do you want to start? Yes, let's. Um, So this big one is one that I've been actually kind of toying with not telling people because it sounds so awesome that I just want to keep it all I also almost put this on my list and then didn't because I was like, oh, should we keep this one? But it's on there. Yeah, so... Southbank Centre is forming the New Poets Collective. Uh, So it's a programme that will be centred around the National Poetry Library, which, um, so the Southbank Centre in London has physically a physical library full of books, all about poetry and books of poetry. Um, And uh, so this scheme is going to be the New Poets Collective and it will help a group of up to 15 poets hone their skills and expand their knowledge and confidence. And some of the mentors on this will be Will Harris, whose book we talked about last month, Rendang, and Vanessa Kasule as tutors, who are both fantastic poets. Yeah, so much to offer. Um, Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, basically, all you have to do is apply by the 29th of August, Sunday, 29th of August, 2021, with um, sort of three poems. And it can be kind of recordings of you performing. It can be written poems. Um, So, yeah, basically just three examples of your work. Um, And the minimum suggested age is 22. So it's not saying 22 and up. But actually, they have kind of said... Yeah, we'll consider That's people a younger than that. So, age, yeah. yeah, it's a suggestive thing, so don't let it put you off if you're if you're not there. Um, but yeah, it just looks like this incredible opportunity. And yeah, like I said, you've just got to submit three opportunities, three examples of your work. So part of me was like, well, if I tell lots of people out there, <laughs> they will, they will, they will do it, and 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 you know, they're going to be they're going to be awesome. So yeah, and- have a go at it. It's going to be. Amazing. In the interests um, of journalistic balance, uh, the South Bank did cut a lot of people's jobs for no good reason this last year. Just huh. going to put that out. Yeah. There. Oh yeah. 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 The South yeah. Bank centre themselves, uh, shit management choices. Um, mm. yeah. yeah. But you know, you know the work that poets are doing alongside them is good, and it is that whole as that, as we were having that discussion with with PJ about how yeah. do you operate honestly within mm. within capitalism? You yeah. know. Um, so yeah, so yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> but it's an yeah. awesome opportunity. It's an awesome opportunity. Fucking take it. Fucking get what you can. Do amazing things with it. Okay. And join a union. <laughs> Never cross a picket line. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so visit southbankcentre.co.uk and search for the New Poets Collective, and that'll come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've also got, uh, as uh, PJ uh, mentioned during the interview, uh, the SWEAR, the Spoken Word Educators and Academic Researchers group on Facebook, uh, which is Pete Bearder's Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Pete Bearder, uh, the author of uh, the really, really interesting uh, book. Stage Invasion. So yes, uh, kind of a, a sort of history of spoken word and the spoken word scene and an academic look at the spoken word scene, which Laurie got for my birthday. Uh, so yeah, that's swear spoken word educators and academic research. If you search for it on Facebook, you will find it. 
Um, and then the other thing I've got, so London Queer Writers have a workshop on queer natures, exploring the nature of queerness and the queerness of nature in poetry with James McDermott on Thursday the 13th of May. So it's an online workshop. Um, so yeah, LQW, London Queer Writers, uh, really interesting writing collective that presents Speak Equal. Uh, so yeah, have a search for that on Facebook and uh, and uh, join up to that if that sounds like your thing. Uh, Laurie, what have you got for us? Actually, the first thing I've got is something that PJ brought up as well. I did have it on the list before PJ brought it up, <laughs> um, which is um, the Loud Poets. Um, I wanted to plug their Return to Form series, um, which PJ mentioned in the interview. They, throughout NaPoRimo, the National Poetry Writing Month, they've been putting out videos that are both formal poetry and then explanations of form and uh, formal poetry. And I just think that's a very cool thing to be doing. Mm. Um because mm. uh, we uh, certainly when we had uh, sorry to keep banging on about the red sky sessions but we had a session on form the other day and people have such different varied reactions to form a lot of people hate it completely so it's interesting form can be a bit weird and scary and i say this because i find it a bit weird yeah i find it a bit um, weird and scary too yeah you know but then people do create these amazing things and you go oh that's cool like somebody pointed out to me do not go gentle into that good night yeah by dylan thomas mm. it's a villanelle yeah it is fuck didn't it even is. fucking notice it's just a great poem also it's a great recording of that by uh uh, Iggy Pop on his most recent album doing <gasps> Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. And if you've <laughs> not heard awesome. Iggy Pop oh my doing God. Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night, you have to oh fix that immediately. God. That's very yes. cool. That's beautiful. Very cool. Uh, all the videos are on YouTube, but they're also at iamloud.co stroke RTF. That's not .co.uk, it's just .co stroke RTF. So yes, in conclusion, form is big and scary, but you are big and brave and can take this shit on. That's right. That's what we're saying. That's yeah. right. That's what Amazing. we're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have um, faith in you. You go do it. Cool. Oh. I've also got um, the uh, 2021 Writers Aware Competition um, is the UK's only national competition, um, which features over £10,000 in cash and writer uh. development prizes. The award is open Ooh. to all writers whose stories are underrepresented in mainstream publishing. Um Writers can submit via the website, post or in person, and the website is creativefuture.org.uk. The theme of the award this year is Essential, and it closes on the 6th of June. And the other one that I've got, which we've already talked about, but I'm going to plug it again, is the Vogon Poetry Slam on the 25th <laughs> of May. Yes. Search for it on all of our Dead Darling social media or the Vogon Poetry Slam Facebook page. Um, if you want to register interest to sign up in the open mic, you need to do that by Friday the 14th of May. We'll be picking 12 names out of the hat, um, or the ambassador from the Asgoths of Korea will be picking 12 names out of a sock drawer on the 15th of May. And the event itself is on the 25th. Hannah, what have you got for us? So, Insight, what I run, Insight LGBT plus poetry, uh, is... Uh, I'm I'm just delighted with what it has become over lockdown. Um, it used to be on a Monday night in Soho and it was limited to who could get to Soho on a Monday night and now it's international um, and we have got Elizabeth McGune uh, featuring. So a friend friend of the podcast um, and, and she just writes incredible stuff. Um, and there is the standard open mic, which is international most months at this point and incredible we have people like robert garnham as regulars we are so fucking spoiled um 
Uh, straight allies are extremely welcome in the audience, uh, but the open mic is for us queers in it. Um, and that is on the Wednesday, the 19th uh, of May. So look for Insight Poetry, L Insight LGBT Poetry on Facebook. Um, also, I spotted an awesome opportunity, which I'm too old for. Um, story of my life. Uh, but uh, Cat Francois is running a, uh, I think it's a one-off. It's called Writing for Wellness on the 13th of May for uh, 18 to 25 year olds. It's run through the Roundhouse. Um, so if you go to roundhouse.org.uk, you can find out more. Um, and it's a kind of mental health, creative uh, creative writing. Uh, I think it's about what? I think it's a two hour thing or it's a one and a half hours. Um, and it's Cat Francois and it's free and it's going to be fucking amazing. Um, no further comments, no notes. Yeah, Cat's a total boss. So. <laughs> um, and there's the other one is um, the Poetry London Prize. Uh, putting aside the grudge I have that I once went for a job interview there and didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> Poetry London magazine uh, has the Poetry London Prize, the, the their big annual prize. Uh, this uh, A lot of the, the winners have gone on to become... Yeah, it's, it's kind of the <laughs> broadsheet newspapers notice you kind of a prize um, uh, and and five grand. Uh, and it's judged by Malika Booker this year. So uh, who won last year? <laughs> uh, so if you go to poetrylondon.co.uk forward slash competition, that's open until the 26th of June. So you've got loads of time, but also, you know, get your ducks get in a row. Get on it. It's a big deal. Get on it. <laughs> cool. Uh, in a moment, we're going to have our poem of the month to play us out. But before we do that, I just want to plug that our competition, basically write a poem about all the shit you didn't achieve during lockdown, is still going. Submissions by 15th of May, pretty please, to uh, speakpipe.com forward slash deaddarlingspodcast or deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear it. Yeah, Laurie, anything you want to plug? Sure, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Laurie's Poet or on Twitter at Mr. Leaves. My book Biceps is out on Burning Eye Books or in brick red cassette form on Buried Vinyl. You can pick up both versions from my website, laurieves.com, and stream the audio version wherever you stream audio. Hannah? I'm, I haven't written enough to plug my writing, but if you want to know your, uh, you, if you want to know more about your civil rights and you want to know how to deal with the police, I thoroughly recommend Netpol, the network for police monitoring. You can go to netpol.org. Um, I've, I've been volunteering with them on and off for about a decade and I would trust them with my life. Um, and the police are being shit, so go find out about that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rebecca K. Cooney, on Instagram at any name but Becky. Um, my website is RebeccaKCooney.wordpress.com and my Facebook page is Rebecca Cooney-Poet. You can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Dead Darlings Pod, uh, Facebook as Dead Darlings Podcast, and you can email us at deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and help us spread the word. We do have a couple of lovely reviews from people, by the way, and they mean the fucking world to us. You guys are lovely. We got a Thank nice comment so on Friday. It was lovely. We did. We did. And it, it, yeah, it made our day. Um, so 
Our poem of the month was performed by Chris Lanyon at Red Sky Sessions. Before we share Chris's poem with you, I just want to say thank you to him for letting us showcase his work. Thank you to my co-host, Laurie Eves and Radio for our theme music, to the Repeat Beat Poet for joining us, and of course, to you guys for listening. Bye! Bye. Hiya, I'm Chris Lanyon. I'm going to read you a poem today that was written as part of the Dead Sky Sessions workshop series uh, by Apples and Snakes. There's a content note on this poem for mention of wounds and dead animals, uh, and it's called Rockery, and it's After the Same City by Terence Hayes. Rockery. Both of us are wearing shorts, squatting down on the pebbles, little lines of fire in the quads. You are smiling as you pack down the earth. I have broken the trowel, trying to dig the brambles out from the cracks in the wall. I feel bad each time I kill a bramble, for Seamus Heaney and the blackberries and the Cornish hedgerows, but my arms are a crisscross of thorn cut, so I guess maybe we're even, the blackberries and me. The garden has that mould and earth smell, the vegetal tang of a stem cut by B&Q metal. You are smiling, I am sweating. Every Seamus Heaney poem is a horror story, and the brambles run like a web underneath the paving stones, as thick as ropes. Thorns the size of fingernails, blackberries wound-coloured and swollen, the bullfrogs all call at once, and the kittens mule even from the bottom of the well. Everything that might have killed Seamus Heaney could also kill me. Death of a first-time gardener. You are smiling and talking about seeds. Let me begin again. I would like to learn about plants with you, about raised beds and optimal sowing months, how the shimmer of water on a leaf in the morning is beautiful and photogenic, but that afternoon sunlight will refract inside the droplets and burn small holes through our rhubarb and emergent broccoli. I would like to learn about plants like we are learning to live together, the rockery is a first step to getting a cat, to Ikea furniture in the sunlight, to each time I will kiss you beside the wheelie bins or by the sumac tree. If anyone asks, tell them this is where you started loving me. Thanks. And thanks to the Dead Darlings podcast for having me. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Chris Lanyon. You can find me at Chris Lanyon on Twitter. That's L-A-N-Y-O-N. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Moon Moon Beam Beam. Uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Thank you.